Welcome to Changing Places, the podcast that believes places are powerful agents of positive social transformation. Each episode, Dean Keith Diaz-Moore from the University of Utah's College of Architecture and Planning will take you behind the teaching, research, and practice at the leading edge of innovation occurring in our college. Through informal conversations, you will learn the emerging issues, why you should care, and what you can do about them to change our world for the better. Welcome back to Changing Places, everyone. I'm your host, Keith Diaz-Moore. Today we're joined by Dr. Ayla Akshmaya, a professor and chair of the School of Architecture at the University of Utah. Ayla joined the U from the University of Massachusetts Amherst, where she founded and directed the Architecture Research Collaborative. Her professional background includes directing the Building Technology Lab, or Tech Lab, at the international firm Perkins & Will, one of the first practice-driven architectural research laboratories. Isla's research expertise includes building science and sustainability, emerging technologies, digital design and representations, and innovations in architecture. She has published three books on these topics and received an Architecture 2030 Award for her teaching in the area of high-performance and sustainable building design. We can think of no one better suited to discuss the future of architectural practice than Dr. Akshmaya. Thanks for joining us today, Isla. Thank you so much, Keith. I'm so happy to be here today. Well, it's great to have you. First, you know, this topic of of the future of architectural practice could go in so many directions. I might as well say now we'll need to have you back to discuss this further. But let me start with a, um, a provocative observation. Architecture radically changed at the turn of the 20th century with technological advances such as reinforced concrete, steel, uh, glazing, the elevator, uh, and advances in heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. And today, we're seeing a rapid change in the process of architectural design, including parametric design, the use of augmented and virtual reality, and, and of course, simply the nature of remote collaborative work in this age of COVID. What do you believe will be the impacts of these process technologies on architectural design in the remaining years of the 21st century? Excellent question, Keith. Um, I would like to start off but first by saying that uh, when we look at advanced technologies, we have to consider technologies that influence design process such as digital tools, uh, fabrication methods, new ways of collaboration. And then we also have to look into advanced building technologies, materials, building systems, and so on. So we have to differentiate uh, technologies that influence the design process versus uh, the building as as an entity. Great point. So I could go on and on about this topic, but I will try to be very brief. So I think when we look into innovation and new technologies in architectural design and practice, we have to find ways to solve current challenges that are facing the profession. And these include more complex building types, tighter schedules, environmental concerns, social concerns. So it's a very sort of difficult business to balance relationships between advanced technologies and then what goes on in day-to-day practice. In terms of the changing buildings, I would like to mention changes in building typologies, for example. I think a perfect example are office buildings. Mm -hmm. So historically, office buildings used to be designed for individual office spaces without too much spaces for collaboration. So I think that's changing. 
that started to change prior to the pandemic. But I think after the pandemic, we realized the benefits of hybrid working environments, for example. Sure. Mm-hmm. So the changes in practices are influencing architectural design. So office buildings are moving more towards collaborative spaces. Libraries, for example, historically speaking, libraries were mostly designed to hold physical copies of books. Right. <laughs> now, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, that's right. It's a beautiful observation. Exactly. So libraries are now also functioning as, as community center, for example. And the, the last point that I would like to briefly discuss is the notion of digitized practice. So we have these advanced computational tools available, parametric design, simulations and modeling, optimization, robotics. Also, I'm seeing influences of artificial intelligence in architectural mm-hmm. design. Mm-hmm. Maybe in the future, you, you know, we will be delivering 3D models as construction documents instead of two-dimensional drawings. Right. I don't think that we're there yet, but I think the, the, prof- the profession is moving into that direction. Well, uh, that gets to the, the next question that I, I wanted to ask you anyway, to kind of focus on this process dimension, if you will, of the nature of the design, build, occupy process that we often think about is clearly changing, uh, as well as with developments in some of the things you mentioned, whether it was robotics, uh, artificial intelligence, something in the industry is building information models, um, integrated project delivery, automated advanced manufacturing, and, and even some 3D printing of buildings already. To me, this suggests unlimited opportunities for architects to bring their creativity and their, the research that they're known for to improve the entire construction industry. And I'm just wondering if you might amplify on those thoughts. Excellent question and excellent point again, Keith. Research and development is, uh, these are essential parts of innovation. We cannot innovate without investing into research and development and what I like to call solving the wicked problems. The wicked problems that are facing our profession, I briefly discussed previously, social changes, environmental concerns, changing practice. So research and development becomes an essential part of the future of architectural practice and collaboration. So I think historically speaking, most of the research in architecture was conducted by academic institutions, national laboratories, research entities. And the changing model is that architectural practices are realizing the potential and benefits of R&D and integrating more research into their work. I don't think that we have a universal model for this. I think we're still kind of trying to understand different ways to integrate research because it depends on the firm's size, market sector, number of employees, and so on. But overall, I think the overarching goal is to be transparent about research and development happening in our profession. I don't think that we're going to make significant changes without sharing the results of research that happens. So either research that goes on on a project-by-project basis or research that looks into design practices, I think we have to do a better job in being transparent and sharing the, the results of our research studies. Right, right. Yes, often the concern is about proprietary research, right, and and the idea to keep it tied to the to the firm that that funds it. But it gives them an advantage anyway for the number of years before it's ever ever shared in the industry, and so they're they're a leg up. They are the leaders if they engage in research. But one of the things I'd, I'd like to identify is is that um, while we certainly see 
a whole bunch of research, certainly in terms of um, or R and D, if you will, in terms of oh the medical profession or or engineering professions and so forth. Generally speaking, and when you take a look at the data, architecture and and let's say the broader construction industry is really one that actually invests very little in R and D overall. And I know you you feel and you've already articulated how important this is to meet the emerging challenges of the day, such as climate change, societal um, uh, challenges, as you've mentioned, and so forth. I wonder if you might share thoughts on how research can be more highly valued by this profession that we both love. Excellent question, Keith. It's extremely important to determine what is the value of innovation. So we shouldn't be innovative just because we can. There needs to be sort of an associated value. So for each firm, there's the implicit and explicit benefit for being innovative. The explicit one might be creating better buildings, improving design practices, having kind of a better return on investment. But the implicit uh, value of innovation really depends on each firm, mm-hmm. the size of the firm, their organizational model, culture, and so on. So I think one of the problems in architecture, engineering, and construction has been this notion of how to fund research. Where do we find funding? And I think each firm should look into their own organizational model and determine what is the best way to to fund research and development. And there are essentially three different models, internal, external, and hybrid. Internal means that firms have researchers on staff mm-hmm. that are dedicated to conducting research. External model means that a firm might collaborate with, with an academic institution or a national laboratory. And a hybrid model means that a firm might open up a nonprofit research arm that's dedicated to conducting research. Sure. Mm-hmm. There are also available uh, tax credits. And I think architectural profession usually does not, does not know this, but there are tax credits on federal level available for technical research. And I think the architectural work is the perfect fit uh, for those. And then I think the, the last thing to consider is this notion of changing the models of federal funding agencies. So historically speaking, I think that architectural research has not been widely appreciated and valued, Right. yet our work impacts everyone. So I think as a profession, we need to do a better job of communicating the value of research in architecture in the built environment so that we might start receiving more funding from the federal agencies. I, I couldn't agree more on that. Um, you know, there are sp- specific mechanisms for, again, I'll go back to medical research and, of course, engineering uh, does very well in like National Science Foundation and so forth. But there is no National Academy for, for let's say, architecture uh, in the world of design. And, and I think that's a missed opportunity so far for our nation. Now, clearly, there are several issues on which there is a uh, what I'll call a fierce urgency of now uh, for the architectural profession. We've talked about climate change and sustainability. Uh, we can t- talk about, uh, as you said, the social concerns or, or racial justice in terms of our, our work. But let's start with the imperative to create more sustainable buildings and resilient communities. Much of your scholarly work has focused in this area, and I wonder if you might share thoughts on what you believe the next frontier is in regard to sustainable design. Uh, Of course, (laughs) and I could go on and on, but I will try to be brief. 
I think understanding the impacts of climate change on the built environment and how we can prepare our buildings for that is the next frontier of architectural research. Over the last decade, I have been looking into that problem closely, and I think one of the problems is, for example, rising cooling loads in buildings. Rising so cooling that means loads? Cooling loads, yes. Okay. Could you define what that is? So basically, cooling loads are the amount of energy that buildings require for cooling. Great. Okay. So the impacts of climate change will result in increasing temperatures, which will then increase our cooling loads for buildings. So that means that even the best performing buildings that we're designing and constructing today will not be performing so well in the future because of this problem. I get it. Okay. Exactly. And I think retrofitting existing buildings, this is a very large problem and issue because majority of existing buildings have not been designed taking into consideration energy code requirements or building performance. And I think this will become the future of architectural practice, especially for our students. So for example, in my work, majority of my work focused on new construction, new design and construction. But I think in the future, we will have, as a profession, we will have to look into existing buildings and ways and methods to improve their performance, which is a bit more challenging than designing <laughs> new buildings. Right, right. You know that that's that's a interview in itself, isn't it? That notion of uh, of retrofit and renovation. But let's let's move on to a second topic that you know is pressing for the architectural profession, and that's not only you know certainly we consider what we design, but. But also we need to be considering, uh, you know, who do we design for and who gets to design? The demographics of our communities and our world is, is in rapid change. We're, we're becoming older. Uh, we're more racially and ethnically diverse. Uh, we are increasingly urban. And, and sadly, we're experiencing rapid spread in terms of wealth and resource inequality. Now, Utah's School of Architecture has become a leading beacon in this area over the past handful of years, and I'm wondering what you think is an immediate imperative in regard to equity, diversity, and inclusion. Excellent question. I think we could have another podcast I think so. on this topic. <laughs> <laughs> but again, I will try to be brief, and I think I would like first to discuss what is happening in education versus the profession. I think in education, we have realized that this is a problem, an issue, and uh, most, of, most of academic architectural programs are changing uh, curriculum, changing the design studios, projects, and I think students are more aware and faculty members are more aware of this. I think the profession is changing as well, but not at the same pace. So I think what we really need to focus on is changing the architectural practice. So that means providing more mentorship opportunities for underrepresented students, mm -hmm. trying to solve some of these wicked uh, problems and uh, really paying attention to what is happening in our society, which is sometimes difficult in our architectural profession because we are driven by, again, project deadlines, costs, and so on. Sometimes we have to turn down projects because of certain issues and problems and I think in the future, I hope that in the next 15 to 20 years, the architectural profession will be representative of general population. I think right now the problem is architectural profession is still homogeneous in a way. Mm -hmm. So we don't have a, a lot of women, for example, especially in leadership roles, and even less minorities. 
So I would really like to work as an educator in preparing the future architects, <laughs> you know, for change, right. to be responsive to these ideas. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, as I said, I knew we would only be able to scratch the surface on this topic of, of innovation or the future of architectural practice. But I do like to ask a recurring question of our guests, and I'd like to finish on this question. As you know, our college is the first architecture and planning college in the nation to espouse a, an ethic of care to underlie our professional education. So why do you care and why do you think others should care about the imperative for innovation in architectural practice? Excellent, excellent question. First of all, I care because I think that innovation can help us solve some of these social problems. So although my research focuses on technical areas of innovation, I think with innovative practices, we can also strive to solve these wicked problems that we are facing as a society. I also care dearly about students and their future. Mm -hmm. I believe that students and future architects are creators of positive change. So besides my kind of professional involvement and uh, um, professional practice, I always try to create change through students. They are our future. I think we owe them to educate them, to think critically, creatively, and to be able to solve some of these wicked problems that, may, that we may not even imagine today. Your passion for the students and your passion for our uh, built environment and the architectural profession clearly have come through uh, in our moments together here. So thanks, Isla, for joining us today and providing us a lot of richness on how architectural practice needs to innovate to meet these challenges or wicked problems, as you've called them, for the 21st century. Dr. Isla Akshmaya is professor and chair of the School of Architecture at the University of Utah. If you found this work interesting, you can find out more by visiting cap.utah.edu. I would like to end by thanking our listeners for taking the time to join us today and for spreading the word using the hashtag ChangingPlaces. On behalf of the Changing Places podcast, hosted by the College of Architecture and Planning at the University of Utah, I am Dean Keith Diaz-Moore. Take care, everyone. Mm-hmm.